All right, Phil, we are we are live then. Uh, you just promised me that you can you can carry us home. I am thoroughly exhausted. Uh, working through a, a right now hour like seventeen of my day. Uh, but uh, you're the you're the freak. It's been well. It's thanks been... for thanks for doing this. I have all the energy in the world because I'm quarantined inside my house right now. Fuck yeah, self quarantine. Uh, uh, yeah, self quarantine. Social distancing, as they call it. God, yeah, uh, yeah. You uh, you're you're the freak. It's been designated by our friend Michael Stanton uh, that uh, your performance of these podcasts is now getting to the point where uh, I don't have to do anything and you carry the show. Well, I have a lot of things to say today, so I'm I'm ready to carry for today at least. Well, let's uh, let's start first of all where we left off last time, which is naming okay. our fantasy baseball team. Um, I am gonna straight out accuse you of of stuffing the ballots on our Twitter poll. Vote uh, manipulation? Are you accusing me of vote manipulation already? Yeah, I will, I'll vote, do my voter, Trump. voter fraud. I'll do my Donald Trump. It was perfect. <laughs> it was beautiful. There was nothing wrong. There was no collusion it was not as perfect as the call but it was perfect <laughs> um so of the six votes we received which my god wow. it was tough to count them Huge all sample size. uh banging scheme and warlords were the the top two receivers but i will say that my dad who is twitterless uh voted for stand up and fight me which would get us an even two three-way tie um at the top well to be honest i voted for stand up and fight me and that, that matters a lot. And I think I abstained from voting. Um, but oh, okay. I, I, voted, I voted for that one. I did want to throw one more name in the mix um, that is that is topical. Uh, and I, I have to put a disclaimer on this that um, should the world end in flames, you can blame me for this this tasteless joke. But are, okay. are, are you ready, ready for it? Yes. Uh, this year's fantasy baseball team being named COVID Mojo. Okay, that's got to be the one. That's got to be the one. I love that one. It's topical. It's refreshing in a time where people are very scared and unsure about their next step. I think this is the name that will make everything okay. This is the name that's going to unite America. Yeah. The, the America will rally around our, our fantasy baseball team in this time of, of, of great fear. Hell yeah. All right. COVID mojo it is. I, uh... COVID mojo's got to be the I was. Uh, I love that. I was a little I'm glad worried. you didn't tell me last night. I'm glad you saved it for the. For I did. Today. I did tease it a little bit. Um, yeah. But anyways, our fantasy draft is next Sunday at uh, at 10 p.m. my time. You'll probably be ho- hopefully working. Um, and so on I'll, Sunday. Are you off on Sundays? Sundays were close. Oh, perfect. Okay, so, yeah, I'll, so I'll, I'll just be able to do it. Yeah, you'll see Cisabatia that one too. Um, yeah. But it, yeah, I'll I'll hang out for a little bit. But uh, but we'll, we'll wreck that. We'll draft some some great players. No Mariners guaranteed. Uh, let's, uh, let's get into the Mariners. I, um, as mentioned, have been uh, a little aloof from, from the spring training. I've been catching up here and there reading more than watching, uh, but you've been very dialed in unsurprisingly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, this first out of uh, three up, three down, I just wanted to give you a nice little Mike Blowers to Brett Boone in the, uh, the 2003 home run derby, um, or oh two or oh one or whatever that was. Uh, just, just take it away from here. Here, here's, here's a lob. Smack this one out of the park. Didn't know. Brett Boone swing and miss at a ball during the home run derby? Yeah, yeah. Brett Boone. Yeah. <laughs> Brett I hope Boone's, I don't do that. Brett Boone writes his own jokes. Um, you know what's funny? Aaron Boone is like the most like cerebral, thoughtful guy ever. Totally and out of Brett left Brett Boone field. is just like the antithesis <laughs> of that. Brett, Brett Boone is just a, a blabbering fool at every opportunity. Um, I wish he was just like the the like shithead bench coach for the Yankees or something like Did that. Did you see what Goose Gossage had to say about baseball? Uh, well, another member of the alliterative name club. So be careful about about your. your okay, goose he lighter. is an idiot, though. <laughs> the whole his whole thing. He's like a MAGA guy. If MAGA was just about baseball, he's like he calls them computer boys. You know, all the guys in the uh, yes. departments. He's one of those guys. The computer. Yeah, you know, he he's just and he's like baseball. He's he's like Jensen in forty five fifty <laughs> years. Like uh, baseball's not played on a spreadsheet. Go home, nerd type of thing. Jensen doesn't actually believe that he just he just likes to to play the character. Um, the, oh, the, totally, and the, that's what I love about him. The all time uh, MAGA guy in baseball though is Aubrey Huff. Have you seen that guy go off? Oh my god! So my <laughs> girlfriend is Iranian, and ah. Aubrey Huff had the most insensitive. She laughed. I sent her the tweet. She thought it was funny, but um, he had the most insensitive tweet I think I've ever seen. And the beautiful part of it is, like, I clicked on the tweet. And you know how you expect to see it being screen grabbed because they delete them afterwards after they realize there's been <laughs> like a ton Aubrey. of public blowback. Yeah, not Aubrey. Aubrey leaves them up. 
We should do a, 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 a uh, is this an Aubrey Huff tweet or a Donald Trump tweet? Uh, yeah, I segment. think it, I think they're pretty much the same guy. <laughs> uh, anyways, what is your uh, just just rapid fire here? What are your big motor observations so far from spring training? Okay, here's number one. I told you I'm I was coming with a hot take. Are you ready for it? I'm glad you're leading with this because I didn't want to wait any longer. Yeah, I don't like Jared Kelnick. What? I don't like his personality. I mean, he on the field, he's great. Is he too alpha? I, he's just like, he is so, I mean, looking at his interviews next to like Julio Rodriguez, who's like kind of this carefree guy and he's just really enjoying the game and he really wants to be great. It seems like Kelnick has this like total arrogance about him. And I get it when you're, you've been in the MLB for a long time to maybe think like you're the best, but I just I, there's something about him that rubs me the wrong way. I don't know what it is, and I can't really explain it any more than that. I'll give you I just I'll give tell. you a, a brief little anecdote to to uh, supplant that. Kelnick didn't play high school baseball. Really? Either for the last couple years, or maybe for his entire time when he was in Wisconsin. I think well, that, that's just played, weird. To he me. had to have played at some point because he got drafted out of high school. Well, yeah, but he he just played like travel baseball. Oh, oh, so he didn't play for the team. Exactly. His he didn't play for his, his home, hometown high school team. Wow. I didn't see. That's just there's something about him that I don't uh, – there's something there. I can see myself getting frustrated with him more than any other player. You know who you sound Let's like? Let's put it that way. Who's you, that? You sound like a Mets fan. Why is that? <laughs> Trying to rationalize uh, this whole thing as, as to how their entire world is crumbling around them. Yeah, I just there's something about him that rubs me the wrong way. I can't put my finger on it, but like I thought I'd be so excited to like get to know him, like because that's you know a huge part of baseball and baseball is a regional sport. Like you want to get to know your players and you don't really care about other guys. So I was excited to like get to know him and see him. And similar with how you know we started to love Felix and then we went through hard times with Felix. And just right off the bat, I'm just not super pumped on this guy. That's fair. Yeah, he's he seems to be a little. Um... A little aggro. I don't know. I, yeah, aggro is a good word to describe him. Yeah. And, and and aggro certainly not you or I's lane um, to to any degree. So I can I can see that being a little off putting. But uh, yeah. if he was raking, doesn't matter. No, I, and that's the thing. I when I say I don't like him, I'm not talking it at any way, shape, or form about his abilities on the field. It's more of just like a personality thing. Well, this is uh, the exact hard-hitting analysis that, that people, um, you know, dozens of people subscribe to this podcast for. So glad we got the uh, the most important information out of the way. What else have you uh, ascertained from spring training other than uh, Jared Kelenic is uh, is a little too alpha for us? Um, I'm ready to say that I believe in J.P. Crawford. Okay, yeah, tearing it I, up. I, I, I'm going to use the cliche that we all love. Best shape of his life. Yeah. Are you ready? This is the hard hitting analysis. JP Crawford's hot. Yeah. He's in, he's one of those guys who, you know, he was last year, he was pretty, pretty thin. I mean, he still is very thin, but um, put on muscle and it looks like he's actually driving the ball. The ball is coming off his bat and the exit velocities in spring training are a little bit harder to come by, but you can tell from the small sample of what we've gotten from him, the ball's coming off his bat harder. And that was one of the biggest things with him. His plate discipline is great, always has been. That was one of the reasons he was a top five prospect. But now you're actually starting to see him drive the ball with a little bit more authority. And if he can do that and be an even above average uh, shortstop defensively and have that bat, you're looking at a really good foundational piece for the Mariners. And I think worst case scenario for JP is being a little bit of a below average regular. I think this, this uh, spring training has both raised his floor and his ceiling in my eyes. Who hit the Jim Harder this this offseason, him or Jake Fraley? Fraley looks like he's he looks like a man. I mean, he looks like he's got that Norse Viking blood, whatever you call it, <laughs> yes. just coursing through his veins. Very Sons of Anarchy lead uh, yeah. in, in Jake Fraley right now. Um, all right, so so Kel- Kelenic, um rubs you the wrong way. JP Crawford is is uh, sexy as ever. What else? You and got? I have one more. I have one more good take to give you. Hit us. Justice Sheffield is going to be a good pitcher this year. All right, we're going to hold Jeff, Justice Sheffield. Okay. He, he's he's our step back guy, but uh, but yeah, exciting outing last or yesterday for 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 Sheffield. And uh, there's a reason that it was exciting that I don't think we were getting to in the um, that we can get to later. We can tease it right now. But he's added another pitch to his repertoire. Oh, we're going to talk two seamer, Phil. We are. Oh, we, we are, are talking two seamer. We okay. are ready for that. 
All right. All I, right. Good. I might have undersold my my prep for this, um, but oh, you but, did undersell. I didn't think you were gonna under, know about the two seamer. Oh yeah. Well, you know, you you can cram for for any test. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Um, yeah. So those those are three three good ones. Um, what about uh, Kyle Lewis check in? Are are any 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 uh, concern? Edits, edits there's to there's your concern, concern, but yeah. I mean, the level of concern that I have for Kyle Lewis is the same level of concern that I had before spring started he's done nothing to alleviate my concerns but he's also done nothing to elevate my concerns if that makes sense he's shown to be exactly what we kind of thought it's like what's that guy's name the cardinals old coach they are who we thought they were oh dennis green yeah he is who we thought he was he can mash he can mash to the opposite field he lets the ball get deep but he has a ton of swing and miss that's just a real problem and it doesn't seem like that's going to go away anytime soon so we'll see. We'll see how it bears out in uh, in the regular season. But this spring, he is who we thought he was. What do you think uh, King Griffey Jr.'s mile time is right now? God, he looked fat on that broadcast. <laughs> he looked very overweight. He uh, he's probably still a phenomenal athlete who could just whip out a, a seven flat for no reason. I don't think so. I think he's clocking it at a nine thirty mile. But yeah, dude, Griff has put on some lbs. He's yeah, uh, he he's enjoying he is, retirement he is life. Big, thick now yeah i mean he was thick in his last couple of years in seattle but he's gotten really fat you ever notice you ever wonder why some athletes when they like um stop being professionals they maintain their physique and then there's other guys like barkley and griffey and there's other guys that just like absolutely let it go i wonder why that is it's probably has something to do with diet and just the the caloric intake that their body is used to and then when you stop any sort of cardio or working out on top of that then it just you you there you're saying they eat the same diet but then they're they're stopping like they're you know burning of the yeah and and then you probably add drinking and you know right a you know more 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 ice cream and just stuff like that because they just don't care plus you have a family you probably can't work out yeah yeah i can see it's there's a recipe for like you know gaining weight it's a reality uh I, i want griffy to be bigger bigger fatter you want like if he gets any bigger he's getting into shack territory <laughs> I, I want plump <laughs> he's getting into like he's getting into he's definitely bmi scale he's definitely in the overweight category 20 more pounds than he's in the obese category he's earned every every ounce of it um, yeah i, I love griffy i did want to address something a little bit more that we alluded to uh last podcast this will be our second out of uh of three up three down is is you getting a chance to clarify your role uh, with not baseball prospectus, but but prospect insider, um, because that we didn't, I don't think, did, do it justice last time. And tell the people uh, what you'll be working on and where to find your stuff. Yeah, so actually, I got off uh, the phone with my new boss, which is weird to say because you know I've never had a boss before. But um, other than me, yeah, you, yeah, I guess you're my podcast boss. <laughs> Wait, what constant. were we gonna name? Oh, roughly a podcast. Oh, we got to talk about roughly a podcast. But yes. Well, address that yeah um but basically it's a little bit more the perks that are involved here are a little bit greater than what i thought i thought i was just going to simply be um blogging submitting pieces for edit and review and if those pieces were of his liking then because the jason is the guy who runs the website and he he kind of runs it almost as a one-man show where he has all of us writing articles. I think there's four or five other guys, maybe six, that write articles. But ultimately, what gets published on the website is kind of final say goes to him. So if there's a piece that he thought, you know, this isn't going to work, I don't like it, I don't agree with the analysis, that one will get um, sent back to the workshop. Um, but right now, I'm on track, I think, to knock on wood, publish my first piece. And it's going to be about Justice Sheffield. I did a lot of research. I went really... Um, intensely on the um, baseball savant you know all of the oh, yes. good tools that that has to offer but also there's going to be a component to it where there's going to be uh, credentialed uh, availability for me with the Tacoma Rainiers and getting to go inside the uh, and sit in the press box or sit with the scouts and that's going to be a huge learning opportunity for me because a lot of times I rely so heavily on let's look at the data Whereas that's only one part of the equation. You also have to see what you see with your own eyes and, and train train yourself to understand, okay, this is what the data says, but 
am I seeing something different in his swing or in his build or in his makeup or in whatever that'll lead me to believe that that's going to translate to better or worse data in the future. I mean, I think, I mean, I think that's, we've talked about this in the past, but you need both the scouting and the analytics side to really create a, a great um, soup, I guess, of like knowledge on a, on a prospect. And I think now I'm excited to be able to take the next step in my progression as this is becoming a more intense hobby for me to be able to get that other component more finely tuned. Yeah, this is uh, this is welcome news, obviously, for the uh, the access to to podcast guests that will surely come from this. Uh, oh, for sure. But, yeah. uh, but given the state of the Mariners farm system, you certainly will be uh, in, in a really good position to be able to, to watch the Rainiers play as guys uh, matriculate through the farm system that yep. um, will ideally be uh, staples in the Mariners. Um, I'm sure we'll see Kalanick and Julio at some point. Well, Kalanick for sure at some point this year in AAA. If Julio has a really good season, he might make it to AAA at, uh, for the end of the year. So we'll see some really good players. And this Justin is, Dunn will probably start the season there. This is uh, the next logical pro- progression in this podcast, as people are already figuring out, is that uh, you are much, much better than I am at, at uh, the knowledge part of this. Uh, the destiny of this podcast is for you to blow up and become a Mariners Oracle while people uh, rag on me for being the guy that doesn't know anything. Um, so this, no, this is this is <laughs> this, this is this, this is podcast good. only works with your steady hand uh, and. Like you said, you under you underscore your knowledge. I did not think you were going to be ready for the two seamer talk, but now you I've already you already know exactly what I'm going to say. Yeah, well, I, I I just hit it here for the color and to to tee you up and keep you focused. That's uh that's a that's a job within itself. But uh, but yeah, congrats on this role, and uh, I'm excited to see where it takes you and and well deserved because uh, you certainly have put in the work to uh, to know your stuff. All right, I'm done complimenting you for a very long time. So that's I hope, perfect. I, I get hope, I get uncomfortable. But thank I hope you're you fine with blessed. that. Uh, all right, third out here. Let's talk about the DMTB shirt um, that surfaced. That you sent me a picture of. Is this Sam Tuivalala? Yeah, I think it's Sam Tuivalala. He looks kind of like uh, he. What nationality is he? He looks like Samoan or something. Uh, this is a, a very uninformed portion of the podcast, but uh, yeah. we'll get R and D on that to figure out uh, yeah. Sam Tuivalala's ethnicity. Anyways, uh, Sam is wearing a T-shirt uh, that just says DMTB on it, which it has the M, the Mariners. Uh, pitchfork DMGB. Logo. Is it GB? It is GB. I'm yeah, because remember that's your thing. Yes, you, you yeah, had yeah, the yeah, best yeah. acronym yep. for it. Yes. Uh, so DMGB. I'm sorry, I've run it down wrong. Um, I can't find it anywhere of any sort of reference to this. So we are on an island trying to figure out what sort of inspirational acronym the Mariners have come up. Just uh, to be clear, the this is not like part of their uniform. This is a spring training shirt yep. that's kind of just one of those motivational shirts that, you know, sports teams wear from time to time. It's this is, this is the, logo. the classic, your, your high school football team decided to make shirts that only they know about. Um, exactly, yes. <laughs> and Bellevue uh, High School Football, I remember theirs so well. They had this quote on the back, and I always thought it was the, like, like most intensely odd quote. It goes, pain is just weakness leaving the body. <laughs> so if uh, I, like, tear my ACL, is that my weakness? Is did I just have like weakness in my knees that yeah. needed to leave my you, body, or you like ex- what you was going on? You there? expunged the weakness. There was an exorcism, yeah. and you're you're fine now. Um, yes, uh, God, man, that'd be a really fun. If I had more more power on Twitter, I think I would crowdsource the 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 dumbness of of shirts like that across the country. But anyways, we uh we did what we are are best at here and prognosticated on what the hell DMGB means. Um, I had a couple uh do you have do you want to lead with with uh your strongest theory for what dmgb stands for you lead first because your theories are stronger than mine okay um i had dumb most games behind that one's it that's what it is uh that was uh that's 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 got to be it right that's the only that's the the true goal of the mariners this year is to be dumb most games behind there it's the tankathon baby yeah uh, and then the other one I had was Depoto may give me your Depoto may give, and then parentheses me to the Braves. And that one's great too, because I think there's an, uh, Im- Do you, okay, here's a question. This, this, this acronym that you just bring up brings up a larger question in my mind. Do you think guys who play for the Mariners, are they less secure? Do they feel less job security? than guys who play for like, I don't know, let's say the Blue Jays, because they know that 
their ass is grass. That they know that they're being liable to be traded at any given moment, like uh, without didn't, any warning. Didn't you, it Marco and Evan White's contract? Maybe maybe someone else's contract include like a like a five hundred thousand dollar trade kicker. Pick, yeah, yeah, if they get traded, yeah. And I I know Hirano had one of those in his too. Yes, that's what it was. So. I just I, I wonder if that's like you know how they do these HR seminars at work like if you're feeling workplace stress or workplace pressure the Mariners need to hire a full-time HR person <laughs> to deal with like that kind of like stress that they know that any at any moment their whole life can get shifted around because when you get fired from work it's like okay I'll just go find another job in Seattle or Boston or wherever you may be these guys have to move across the whole freaking country yeah it's uh it's a real thing and I'm sure that uh, something agents kind of uh, pounce on as an opportunity to hold that as leverage for their client signing a contract with the Mariners, given their proclivity for trades that um, they kind of have them buy the the short stuff to, to put that language in there and to uh, protect their client. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting I have thing. another question about this for you. I have one more acronym if, if that's okay. Okay. To give it uh, do more, uh, not trash, but garbage banging. Do more garbage banging. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> Topical, Do you think right? okay? I had a okay. I had a promotional idea for the Mariners. Oh, so let's get Kevin the first Martinez time that, in the line. The first time that there's fans in the stadium, you know, because we obviously talked about the virus and all of that, and might be how, a while. It might be a while, but the first time there's fans in the stadium for an Astros game, I feel like the Mariners should do like a uh, a thing where they have a night where it's like a don't litter night or like keep our keep our city clean night yeah you, and the giveaway is a little trash can you've been to enough m's games to remember um god who are the, like the the recycling heroes that they have in the, yeah the recycling heroes yeah 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 yes 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 <laughs> they should be 100%. on full display this year like yeah like, as, when they play the astros the recycling heroes need to be there those Big fuckers should be man. twerking on that on the astros dugout at all times you know, you know who's probably pretty happy about this whole coronavirus thing is the Astros. If they get to play in front of nobody and let the <laughs> heat die win. off of them a little bit. I was I was in the bathroom at a bar Friday night uh, with the aforementioned uh, and and great Eric Jensen. And in the bar there's or in the bathroom there was this TV, and um, in the, on the TV it was just some like obscure third rate wrestling league. And in the background of the of the the wrestling matches going on. There was just a the Astros stole my other sign sign, and those, oh, that's great. those Wait, are is gonna, this like wrestling like WWF or is this like real wrestling? Uh, no, like like not WWF, but in that same ilk. Um, okay, okay. And those signs are just gonna exist forever, forever, ever. It's a big scandal. It's a it's, big scandal. It's so awesome um, that uh, that those a holes. You know, you know what? It's gonna be crazy to see if any of those guys have bad seasons. It's going to be yeah. crazy to think, like, is this just a bad season because people tend to have bad seasons from time to time? Or is this a bad season because you're no longer getting uh, unfair advantage? Yeah, and it's like, going to be really hard to discern what's what. Altuve could just get BABIP this year and hit 230, and people are going to lose their and, minds. But everyone would prescribe it to the trash can. Exactly, exactly, until until yeah, last so, season or next season. Yeah. Um, so that's that's mine. Uh, do most games behind, do more garbage banging, and DePoto may give me to the Braves. Um, I am proud of all of them. And uh, I'm going to assume that they're all true until the Mariners give me more clarity than that. Do you and think I'm not even going to offer any theories because I think those are the, the best theories that we had. See, we have clear lanes. You provide information and I just do this random bullshit. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's, Everyone's got to have a role. Exactly. Let's get a little smarter here um, and talk about something I want to talk about because this is interesting to me uh, from a baseball long-term perspective is uh, the, the Francisco Lindor problem in Cleveland. And mm-hmm. the, the the gist of it, and it might be Francisco Lindor's Cleveland problem also. Um, yeah. The gist of it is that Francisco Lindor is great, and the Cleveland Indians are extremely lucky to have his employment while he is still cheap. Uh, he is going to be too expensive for Cleveland. Rumor has it that uh, him and his his um, his group want a uh, contract north of $300 million. And he'll get that. He will. He will get that. Certainly yeah. not from Cleveland. Um, and... The, uh, the the Cleveland Indians are trying to to cut payroll. Um, it seems like the second things go south for them, they will trade Francisco Lindor. Um, Francisco Lindor gets to be the nice guy in this situation. He doesn't even try and have to pretend that he actually wants to play in Cleveland. Uh, right. even, even if he does, he just gets to say, you know, I'd play here forever if they would if they would keep me. And then, Which knowing very well that they won't <laughs> be able to. 
Exactly. Yeah. Right. And and Cleveland says, yeah, we'd love to keep Francisco Lindor, but we'd also like to keep winning because yep. paying Lindor would hamstring their ability to sign other free agents and keep other talents and field a, a good baseball team for their economic situation. Questions for you. Uh, is this a bad thing overall? And uh, are there solutions to this bad thing to keep great players like Francisco Lindor in these small markets like Cleveland? Well, let's talk about that second question first, because that's kind of where I think the real question lies is we the solution to determine a solution. We first have to determine the problem. And what is the problem? The problem is the fact that for 90 percent of baseball players, probably even more 90, let's call it 98 percent of baseball players. They all fall within one standard deviation of each other, meaning that the production that you get from each one of them is close enough where you feel like if you can save money on them by just replacing them with a guy who might not be quite as good but is close enough but is going to cost a whole hell of a lot less, then you take all that money that you're going to save and you're just going to blow your whole wad of cash on one guy who can actually be two or three standard deviations above the mean. And we've seen that with guys like Mike Trout. We're going to see it with Mookie Betts. We saw it with Garrett Cole. So basically what baseball has fallen into is this pattern of you're either going to be a have in the 2% who's going to get these massive contracts or you're a have not who's going to play cheaply for six years and then baseball is going to cast you aside for the younger, cheaper version of you. Would you agree that that's pretty much how things you see things? Yeah, essentially everyone has the same, for the most part, access to – very, very talented players through the draft or mm-hmm. through, um, you know, international signings or things like that. That, that you know, your scouting department is the the great equalizer. Uh, but if you're in a small market, there is a uh, impetus for you to get rid of these in- immense talents before they just leave in free agency. Exactly. So it's like what the Tampa Bay Rays do. It's almost like the Rays are in a sinking boat, right? The boat is sinking and they have to keep shoveling the water out. Mm-hmm. They have to, as soon as guys start getting more expensive, they have to start trading them for younger, cheaper talent. And they keep shoveling the water out of the boat to keep the boat afloat. It's not a sustain. I mean, it's sustainable in the sense that, yes, the Rays have found great success, but it's not sustainable for the game of baseball where you just keep having to shovel the water out of your boat and the richer teams are the ones that are able to capitalize more easily on this. Yeah. And it, you know, it just, it makes the, the richer teams have to be uh, less, um, adept at drafting in the talent acquisition part of it because they just know that at the end of the day there's only four or five destinations in baseball and apparently boston's not one of them they can afford- i was gonna say we're gonna come to a point here where these teams that are signing these 10-year deals it's all the same four five six teams exactly they're they're not going to be able to support this massive amount of of it, the talent i guess all of this is to say the talent of the league needs to be better dispersed. Mm-hmm. And it can't be when we have this pattern of paying the top 2% of players $500 million and then the 98% of other players league minimum. You need a, it's like just like in the, I don't want to get political, but it's just like in, in a country. You can't have this horrible wealth disparity, this horrible wealth gap and expect for things to be okay. You need a strong middle class, just like baseball needs a strong middle class. And baseball for, a variety of reasons, whether it be teams are tanking and they don't want to spend, you know, a marginal amount of money for a free agent, or teams have realized that they only want to pursue guys who can actually be difference makers. For whatever reason that this is happening, baseball has a problem with their middle class. Should, should we ask Aubrey Huff what he thinks? If, if, yeah, uh, if we want ask to Aubrey political. Huff how to make baseball great again. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's well said. It's not really worth spending any more time on it than that. Um, we kind of covered it all. I think as far as solutions, um, I, I don't know. Yeah. You tell me what your solution is, but I think I, I think the only solution is that there has to be a revision in this collective bargaining agreement at the next turn and make younger guys less affordable. Mm -hmm. You know, they have to be able to be paid at least a little bit more commensurate with what they're producing when they're under team control. And you also have to be able to I, – I almost think there has to be something similar to the NBA where there's a max contract. Well, yeah, I, I agree that some sort of contract uh, control from the team side where they, they can they can operate under an ability to, to keep guys, uh, whether it's the max contract or something that came to mind is, is let's look at a league that doesn't have problems with player movements, and that's the NFL – 
and the NFL has the means to control their best players through the franchise tag. And that's mm-hmm. uh, a just we're keeping this player at a I think it's the top five percent of uh, of his positional paid uh, paid level, and that's something that they, they could explore as well. Baseball is much less a uh, individual sport, so doing something like that to keep one player um, is a little bit is a little interesting. But the roster yep. is smaller than it is in, in the NFL anyway. And so that's that's you just hit on the most important point that baseball is different than basketball and football is that each player matters the exact same amount to mm-hmm. the team. The quarterback in the, in the NFL is everything, basically. And then in the NBA, if you get one amazing player like a LeBron James or a Antetokounmpo or whoever, that can change the fortune of your franchise. In baseball, you can't change the fortune of your franchise with just one guy. Yep, exactly, exactly. So, so yeah, the, the uh, CBA is coming up, I believe, next summer, right? That's, that's mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and baseball, I think we talked about last year, um, doesn't seem like it's uh, going to to play without a labor stoppage at some point because yeah. there's just massive divides in in how uh, how the game is um, is is structured economically right now. So another thing to look out for is is teams' abilities to to keep guys uh, that if if Boston can't justify keeping Mookie Betts, yeah. obviously Cleveland can't justify keeping uh, Lindor. Although some would argue that they can. Um, so this is a problem. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the important thing to note for people who aren't as familiar with baseball finances is I'm pretty sure every team could keep every player if they wanted to. It's not that much of a of a, of a budget crunch. It's just more of a do we want to? Exactly. Or do we think we can put maybe a team that's five wins worse on the field but make a lot more money for the franchise? Yeah. And so the, all, the, yeah, all these things come into play. And the, the, the other thing that, that – uh, Sorry, Lindor's camp gets to to point at the Indians for is that their their payroll has been 120 20 million dollars for each of the last three seasons. Now all of a sudden it's down to 90, and now they want to play cheap just at the exact time that that Lindor is becoming a free agent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, their camp just gets to say, "Hey, just go back to 120 million dollars. That's that's the 30 million dollars you'd pay me every year." Um, and the the Indians are down to 90 million dollars for a very specific reason, and that's to to save money on their. Um, yeah. on their on their bottom line so it's 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 a tough thing and one that that's uh and one where the business of, of Lindor, baseball, yeah speaking of Lindor and what the Indians should do with him if they're not planning on keeping him long term trade, trade him at the they deadline. need to trade him right now exactly yeah you have a team would be very motivated to acquire Lindor he's a fantastic talent young um seemingly very likable you get him for two more postseasons if you trade for yeah. him um at this point 20 more seconds on this. Imagine the Mariners have uh, the type of season that we expect this year, maybe a 60 and 102 season, but everything looks great for them to compete uh, next season. And Lindor is still available on the Indians at this time next year. Should they trade for him? If let's, okay, well, let's say, let's say the Mariners have a bad season in the win loss column, but but everyone looks like they're about to pop next year. Then I think it's a conversation. Yeah, I think that's definitely a conversation to have, especially if it's just for the one year. But then it also comes down to what are you giving up? You, it would have to be something comparable to what the Dodgers just gave up for um, Mookie Betts and David Price. Yeah, which is you know it wasn't an unseemly amount. It was Alex Verdugo and Jeter Downs, who are two very good prospects, both of them top hundred guys. But it was, I think it was a fair deal. And if 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 we as a fan base and as a front office can decide that we can stomach losing let's say let's say they would have to lose george kirby and one other top 100 sam guy carlson. For, a, for yeah sam carlson for a season of uh lindor i think it's worth at least exploring for sure is it is that more likely than them just waiting till lindor becomes a free agent and um pushing the chips in all all in the 20 20- 22 free agency class that's that's also a possibility and we know the mariners have the stomach to do that although it was an ownership group change the mariners have shown that they have the ability to do it because they've done it with before with robinson cano so i don't see why there's any reason the mariners couldn't look at a mega deal like the phillies did with harper or whoever gets mookie Betts is going to do with mookie and they will have had uh scant spendings uh each of the two or three seasons before that as well. Exactly. And I think they're prepping. I think they're prepping and doing something similar to what the Astros did in 2015, 2016. They're going to take the money that they save in these years. And ideally in a perfect world, if we trust, you know, ownership, they're going to roll those savings over in 
maybe be willing to spend over the luxury tax while we do have a competitive team. Exciting to think about and something that uh, whether it's for guys like Lindor or for, you know, uh, more more two or three win players um, on, on the cheap, um, something that will surely happen um, in, in a couple of years here. Let's uh, let's step back for a second and talk about the aforementioned Justice Sheffield. Uh, like I said, had a good start yesterday. I think three innings, five strikeouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Two-seamer. He, was, uh, he did not throw hardly any two-seam fastballs, if I'm not mistaken, last year. He uh, threw, yeah, he threw none. He didn't even have it. Just, yeah. just a four-seam guy. Uh, and then Pete Woodruff, new, new Mariners pitching coach, uh, seems to have convinced Justice to uh, add the two-seamer to his repertoire. And yesterday, he did not throw a single four-seamer, only two-seamers. Uh, which may be paying some early dividends for for justice. Help uh, help us explain why that is a welcome change for Sheffield. Yeah, so I've talked to some people on Twitter about this, people who I really respect their baseball knowledge. Um, and the thing I couldn't get my head around was why he would go away from the four-seamer because the four-seamer gets a lot of ground balls. And I wrote about that actually in my in my article about Justice Sheffield, about how the four-seamer, everyone kind of has been so down on it, but I couldn't understand why because ground balls obviously lead to a better outcome in general for pitchers than um, fly balls or line drives. But the guy who I was talking to on Twitter, he made it seem like, and he had stats to back it up, the average exit velocity on Justice's four-seamer is 20 to 30% higher than the average exit velocity on other guys' four-seamers. And on four-seamers, what you're really looking for is a swing and a miss. And you want to be able to throw a four-seamer up in the zone. Whereas with a two-seamer, you want to be able to get guys to pound it into the dirt. And Justice is already really good at getting guys to pound it into the dirt. So transitioning over from a four-seamer to a two-seamer would amplify that even more. And he wouldn't have to worry about getting guys to swing and miss, which he doesn't do very well on a four-seamer. So it seems like a two-seamer would just be a better fit in general for his pitching repertoire, and it would complement his other pitches a little bit better than what a four-seamer does. Yeah. Uh, the the other thing that I saw was from from Tom Murphy talking about uh, the, the shift. Uh, Tom Murphy, the Mariners catcher, talking about the shift from a four-seamer to two-seamer for, for Sheffield. Uh, is that Sheffield's spin, he put, he put it nicely. He said that Sheffield's spin doesn't have a lot of, of spin on it. Or sorry, yeah, his, yeah. His four he's seamer. in the bottom one percentile exactly. on spin rate on his on his four seamer. Yeah, his so four, it does it does make sense to transition over to something that doesn't uh, need a lot of spin because four seamers you want to ride them up in the zone and with a lot of spin that gives that ball a little bit more of what it looks like uh, of a late life what they call it where it it looks like it's rising up in the zone. And that's why Sheffield actually got a lot of ground balls on his four-seamers because his four-seamer dies a lot. And so guys are going to hit the top half of the ball. But you can even amplify that effect by switching it over to a sinking two-seamer. Yeah, and so with with Sheffield's uh, four-seamer, he was saying that it doesn't have a lot of uh, spin on it. And by that, he means hardly any spin on it. And so it was hard to to control and keep in the exact places that that, that pitch needs to be. Um, so the argument is essentially why throw something with no movement on it that you can't control when you can throw a two seamer, which has more built in control in it um, and a more more uh, movement in it going, you know, sinking down into the zone. Um, and th- my question with that is that this seems to be a direct play to complement Sheffield's established pitch, which is his slider. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you help explain a little bit how? Uh, a better two-seamer would help uh, expand Sheffield's already established outpitch, his slider. So what you're asking basically is it all comes down. The the larger point of, of how one pitch pays, plays off another is the concept of pitch tunneling, which I think we've, we've talked about pitch tunneling, right? We've talked about a lot of things. So pitch tunneling, just a quick ref- refresher, is how the ball appears out, out of a guy's hand right mm-hmm. so if if the ball is coming and they look the same you want them to look as similar as they can for the longest time before they diverge and do different things right mm-hmm. so with justice the four seamer it doesn't look anything like the slider because a four seamer just by the nature of how it's thrown it, it's going to have life a little bit it's going to have a little bit more life going up and what they call ride whereas a two seamer is going to have a little bit more of a dying effect and that's similar to a slider. So you want those two pitches to look similar until the slider starts to snap one way and the two-seamer doesn't. And that's what's going to confuse hitters more. So it's going to it's going to look more similar to one another and you're going to want that. 
Love it. Uh, Sheffield had a quote yesterday uh, about his start and talking about the two-seamer. He said, I started messing with it and I really liked it. It helped me mentally to stay closed in my mechanics because you are thinking you have to stay closed to get that pitch sinking and moving. I'm a pitcher that if I fly open, it's not a good day. This keeps me on track and closed. Do you want to translate uh, Sheffield's quote there into into a uh, baseball fan? Yeah, so flying open is basically when your front shoulder comes uh comes I, I don't want to say open because that's exactly what he said but your your front shoulder starts leaking out if you're a right-handed pitcher it's going to start leaking out towards first base and if you're a left-handed pitcher your front shoulder is going to start leaking out towards third base mm-hmm. and what that does is that limits the amount of control that you're going to have a lot of times pitchers will do it when they get tired because when they're tired they're looking for a little extra juice and a lot of times when you're looking for a little extra juice you're going to overthrow the ball and your mechanics are going to get a little bit more wild and a little bit more pronounced but in sacrificing or in gaining that extra juice on your fastball, you're losing a lot of control. So he's when he's talking about flying open, he's talking about his front shoulder leaking towards third base, which is something you don't want to do. You want to stay parallel to the plate. So the two-seamer, just by nature of throwing it, helps to, to regulate his ability to stay tight and closed. In his yeah, delivery. and I'm not so sure about his mechanics and all of that stuff, um, how that would help. I don't understand but that's probably a level above my pay grade at this point why a two-seamer would help him stay closed more than a four-seamer but or maybe it's a mental thing for him i don't know that's why we're sending you to to tacoma for some professional development Um, yeah yeah (laughs) i'm getting i'm getting sent down to tacoma exactly uh well uh well that's fantastic um sheffield's prognosis of of being already better than it was when you and i just talked a month ago is is uh is great news um, we'll we'll call that good for for his section and uh, move to our, our flex section here, uh, where I want to provide an ex mariner update on uh, on several ex mariners uh, that uh, that are no longer with us in the franchise. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so first of all is uh, is Gene Segura, um, who is my my favorite ex mariner Google because there's just always something going on with him, uh, whether it's like directly you know last year he he basically. Uh, effed up Andrew McCutcheon's knee because he didn't yeah. hustle on a hustle. He's on a play. always in the mix of something. He's either he's punching somebody or, you know, he's doing some positive PR. Uh, have you heard about Gene Segura's new lifestyle change uh, for this no. season? You got to fill me in. Yeah. Gene Segura uh, stopped drinking whiskey. So everything's good now. He doesn't drink whiskey anymore. So is that like he's stopped like drinking alcohol at all? Or is he just replacing whiskey with like Unclear. vodka? Unclear. That's 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 a, the the beauty of a great um, kind of drop the mic PR statement is I stopped drinking whiskey. Don't worry about it. Uh, and then the follow up questions uh, will just have to come in his performance. But yeah, nothing about tequila or beer. Or- yeah. So what? That makes no sense to me. That's just like that's saying nothing basically. I mean, what's he trying to say? Like whiskey made him feel bad or something? I think he's trying to say get off my back uh, would be the uh, the or here's a quick explanation as to why I was not a uh, a very good player for the Phillies last year. Um, Boy, but- and I'll tell you what about him. If Crawford comes out to be what I think he is, that was the trade that was probably the most maligned out of last offseason. Off but that could has an outside shot to be outside of the Kelnick, you know, just done big one with Cano and Diaz. That has a chance to be one of the better trades that Depoto's ever made. Especially if it leads to one then being something. Um, yeah, yeah. Because- and I've heard positive reports off him lately too. Because then was the the Carlos Santana turned to uh, Edwin Encarnacion um, coup, to, coup from yeah, the Yankees, yeah. yeah. So um, even though Juan then was originally a Mariner, but that's uh, that's neither here nor there. So my question related to the Gene Segura news is, what would you tell people about what what lifestyle change would you try and sell to the media if you had a bad season at the restaurant? Like if if you if you're oh a bad if season you're, at the restaurant if your coworkers were like, wow, Phil was was horrible in q4 this year we uh, i would say what would i what wow that is a good question what lifestyle change would i make did you stop smoking say, you stop playing video games dude, i already okay so the you know one of the best things that's happened and part part of the reason so i gained i did not come into uh camp in the best shape of my life i gained about 10 pounds but i've already lost it Great. so i'm back in back in good shape but i was wondering like why did i gain weight like i didn't feel like i was doing anything different lifestyle wise you know what it was Mm. I stopped smoking cigarettes. Hey. And that, yeah, that leads to uh, what I found You're out. you eating meals. From, yeah, what I've talked to my doctor is that, you know, a lot of times cigarettes can act as a appetite suppressant. 
And so when you stop smoking, you feel more hungry more often. Um, but then I realized like, oh, that's really good that I guess gaining that weight was actually a net positive thing because it made me stop smoking. Yeah, you just need like a, a Dick's cheeseburger at all times to, to yeah. fill the void. People say gum. So, no, no, no. Just straight, uh, <laughs> just straight caloric bombs. So yeah, that that's a big life. I'm on like kind of a healthy kick right now. I think right now I'm probably in a good lifestyle spot. Maybe I should break up with my girlfriend. I hope she doesn't listen to this because she takes up a lot of my time and energy, and maybe I'm not as focused on work as I should be. Yeah. Let's... So I would say. I would say if I had a big slump at work, I would try and rectify that by breaking up with my girlfriend. I think the solution is you just tell them that you're breaking up with your girlfriend. You don't actually yeah, do it. Yeah, not actually do it, but just tell them. Yeah, yeah. okay. That makes sense. Um, all right, so so good stuff. I, I don't know what, what mine would be. I uh, would probably go back to eating meat if things got really sour. Cause that are, is... you still, are you still not eating meat? I'm on, uh, yeah, month, I don't know, day almost 100, I guess, of, of no meat. How's that going? Uh, pretty good doesn't doesn't yeah. really change my life as much as I thought it would so that's kind of a nice thing Wait but thing. you're not vegan right you're just No 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 vegetarian I, Yeah eggs and dairy are or what make this thing go baby um, I know I could not do it without I mean I feel like I could do without meat for a while but I could not do without like butter cream cheese all that stuff Yeah it might change your profession a little bit given that you are in the butter cream cheese business um, Totally <laughs> or eggs business I should say um, let's uh let's keep the Mariner update going or ex Mariner update uh, as mentioned, uh, M's or sorry, Mets fans are a little little jaded that uh, they let Jared Kalanick go for uh, the husk of Edwin Diaz and a very uh, expensive and not that good anymore Robinson Cano. Um, there's an athletic Cano's article. Cano's 37, and he has five more years on his contract. Yes, and for some reason we were able to get rid of it. Um, I have no idea. It will forever be in the Jerry DePoto uh, at least – Mount Rushmore of trades, if not at the very top, is dude. If nothing to... else, if they fire Depoto, and you know, because this season didn't go as good as planned, I will thank him for getting rid of that contract because that could have been bad. I will always maintain if Jerry ever does get fired too, it's just going to be because the Mets finally got smart and took Jeff McNeil out of that trade. Because if Jeff if Jeff McNeil is a Mariner, oh my we, god, we're talking way different right now. We are doing every podcast just naked and hammered because we are. I, I could so not excited. believe he was in the initial trade. Yeah, I know it's insane. Uh, anyways, yeah. So there's an athletic article about how Jared Kelenic literally the the phrase was may haunt the Mets, uh, and there's two great Mets fans uh, in the comments section trying to talk themselves into it. Uh, one is Mike P. Um, what's up, Mike? Mike Piazza, obviously. <laughs> yeah, so he says, <laughs> "Dude hasn't had a single hit above Double A ball. Let's just sit back and wait." Remember those phenoms, Alex Ochoa and Fernando Martinez? Uh, no, I don't. But uh, you still got fleeced in this trade, even if Kellenic uh, totally sucks. So that's yeah. that. It's, and that's what I don't like about when people analyze trades. And they say, oh, well, you have to wait to see how it'll play out. It's Yeah, I guess you do have to wait. But that's also looking at things from like a results-based an- analysis. Whereas what we should really be doing in life, not just in baseball, we should be looking at things from a process-based analysis. Don't you agree? Like, how did the process of this work? Absolutely. It, it's it's not – if if Kelnick – if he tears both of his ACLs tomorrow and he's out for three years and he never returns, is that going to be a bad trade for the Mariners? No. It's just the Mariners got unlucky. The process was sound. And if they keep doing that, I guarantee you nine times out of ten, it's going to come out in their favor. So I really don't like this whole results-based analysis that people try to do with baseball. Well, let's talk uh, to a, a, a results guy. Uh, Matt L. speaks in results, Phil. He says, okay. Ke- Kellenic doesn't matter anymore. He's in another system. He's being developed differently. Boomer bust. It's not that not not the same if he had stuck with the Mets. So I don't know what the, what the comment is there. Is he basically saying, like, he would have sucked if he stayed with the Mets? I've uh, heard that. You know what's funny and refreshing about that comment is I've heard that comment with guys from the Mariners for so many right. years. Like, you know, why do they always get better? And it's they wouldn't be that good if they were with the Mariners or whatever. It's nice to feel like the shoe is on the other foot for once. Matt L. was not done. He says, plus, trading one good prospect three-plus years in the majors for four years of the top closer in baseball. Why are they all forgetting about Justin Dunn? <laughs> That's a great point. Is a trade you make every single time. Unfortunately, Diaz wasn't very good last year, but if he bounces back, the trade is fine. Uh, what do you think about the comment? Diaz wasn't very good last year. Is that is that accurate? Uh, I I would say that is pretty accurate. Diaz was pretty 
pretty awful <laughs> last was, year. Well, wasn't very good. It was is a nice compliment for Edward Yeah, Diaz I have a feeling he's going to come back a little bit um, this well, year. Me- remember, he had he had a pretty off season his second to last year with the Mariners too. Yeah. That was, that was and I think his year. true talent lies between where he was in his final season with the Mariners and where he was last year. I don't expect him to ever be as good as he would. The Mariners did sell high that the Mariners sold at his absolute peak, but uh, I think he's going to be a, a fine closer going forward. Maybe not top five in the league, but certainly has the chance to be a top 10 closer in the MLB, which is valuable, but not as valuable as, you know, the number seven, overall prospect in baseball and a presumptive number three or four starter for six years of club control and a guy who would challenge anyone to an arm wrestling match just because because that's Jerry yeah. Kelenic. Um, yeah that's 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 our guy <laughs> I he seems like he would be a problem at a bar like I don't know why just, yeah just just like two two whiskey sours and, and Jared Jared's Jared's gonna be held back yeah, and it takes he's the hold me back guy. That's what he is. Thank you for finally putting a name to it. He's like the hold me back guy. Uh, another ex Mariner on on uh, everyone's radar. Not everyone's just just my stupid radar. Uh, Raul Ibanez. Do you know why? Um, no. Raul Ibanez's name popped up because he is the Jeter whisperer. Um, he is the connector of Jeters from from Derek to Downs. Uh, Derek, he was training with jeter downs and uh wanted jeter downs i think wanted to talk to Derek jeter uh and raul Ibanez put him on the phone made it happen uh with that yankee connection oh hey good for him so yeah. how funny is that that a guy named jeter is playing in boston <laughs> it is it is pretty funny um and they need him to be good to make the pain go away so yeah uh it is funny uh and then another one here adam jones uh for laughing at carlos correa's uh, absurd tattoo excuse for jose altuve uh, Adam Jones from Japan coughs uh, bullshit into into his uh, his elbow uh, when talking about Carlos Correa. Um, he said when Correa said that Altuve kept his jersey on in that infamous clip uh, because he had a really bad tattoo that he didn't want to show everybody. Uh, and, and Adam Jones basically said, "From I'm from hella far away, but this is hilarious to me." Um, so Adam Jones, you're still a national treasure. You should have been. You know what's funny about that whole tattoo thing is like. Just when you think things couldn't get more absurd in that story between like banging on a trash can and just like buzzers and then, oh, was that a buzzer on Reddick's uh, closer? Then his wife comes out and says it's a piece of confetti. And then you have all the Internet detectives like doing the CSI enhance, enhance, enhance thing to try and figure it out. <laughs> and then he comes out with a tattoo thing. It's just like it's just a pure comedy at that point. It's like, how can you not laugh at this story? It is it is really absurd and uh it is just so funny that the inability to say sorry um is is just afflicting uh grown men and You know what's uh, funny is everybody who's not on the Astros anymore who was on the 2017 Astros has had no problem saying sorry. It's only the guys who are still on the team. Yeah, was it um who's who's the guy that plays for the Twins now? Uh, Marwin Gonzalez. Marwin Gonzalez. Yeah, yeah. He, he's sorry. Um, yeah, he said sorry. He's. Uh, I mean, I think it's just like the stigma with the like Astros players not wanting to like be um, admit guilt or anything. But like guys who are off of the team have no problem. I don't know why. Can you uh, can you check your phone right now? Yeah, I just did, and I I see exactly what we're looking at. Okay, so um, Phil, why don't you describe what I just sent you? Um, so, um, man, I'm not even sure how to describe this. Well, first of all, okay, I'm going to describe who, who, who it. Who is in the picture? That's Scott Spezio. <laughs> um, but straight. that is Scott Spezio with what looks to be his hair. If you look closely, his hair is 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 brown or almost black. Yep. But his his little soul patch thing. It's I don't cardinal, know what you would call it. Cardinal red. When he played. It's cardinal red. He dyed his soul patch. Yes, that's one part of it. And while we're on the topic of tattoos, the other part of it is? A very um, wonderfully fit, trim, Buxom. but yes, uh, woman who uh, I, I now understand from you is his wife. Yes, that is Scott Spezio's uh, basically pornographic tattoo of his own wife on his on his left arm. Um, um, it while, appears while... it's either a thong or a swimsuit that she's wearing <laughs> or something of that nature or a, a, a fanny pack kind of, yeah, it could be a fanny pack just covering her genitalia. Yeah. We will, we will tweet out this picture with, uh, with the link to this, ep- this, this week's podcast, uh, cause it is just so radiant and so awful. 
Um, and you know, while we're and look talking, how lovingly he's looking at it. Yeah, it's it's like she died or something, and that's yeah. that's the only thing he has left of her. She's not dead. Um, that is Scott Spezio's wife. Um, She's very beautiful, from what I can tell. The <laughs> tattoo artist really didn't do a good job. I'm not gonna lie; it's a pretty shitty tattoo. Yeah, but he he loves it though. You can tell he he might use that as um you know a, a visual aid at some point. Um, yeah, Scott, Spe- <laughs> Scott Spezio, weird guy. Uh, was it a band called Sandfrog? Um, it's my favorite fun fact about Scott Spezio. Uh, and what kind of music was it? Was it like me- remember when metal. we were in uh, Palm Springs? The music we jammed to? Uh, more metal than that. Wow, because that yes. was pretty metal what we were jamming to. Oh yes, you're, I remember what you're talking about. Yes, uh, that was that was more metal, more headbangy than than uh, what we were we were working with there. My neck still Our hurts necks from that. Our necks were sore the next day from <laughs> headbanging. Yes, so um, I uh, that is one of the audio clips that will we will end this episode this week's podcast with uh, um, with a Scott Spezio Sandfrog song to to take us out. Um, let's let's talk Fedora and Hydro to get us out of here. Um, my, my, uh, Dave Sims fedora of the week is the coronavirus. Uh, really, yeah, that's a big, that's a big one. Really putting a hamper on just like living life. Um, yeah, for baseball really players sucks, and otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Um, any, any, but you know what, you? man, I would say I'm not, I'm going to skip my fedora and I'm going to talk about the, that virus for a second. I would say that spend your money at there, combines. Yeah, no, you know, not beyond that. Obviously, there's economic impact in all this, and it's going to touch every single industry, and no one's going to get away from this whole thing unscathed. But I think that there's a line between vigilance and precaution and all of that that can easily tip over into panic and fear and paranoia and, and we, what we've already seen with xenophobia of certain groups of people. And I just really hope that we can learn lessons from this and become better and stronger out of this because humanity will survive. People will die. There are going to be some people who die. Unfortunately, that's just a fact of life, but I think we can come out of this learning the right lessons and not the wrong, wrong ones. If that makes sense. Well said, I wish that was how we were going to end the podcast, but I have more jokes to make. Um, (laughs) Good. I want more jokes. (laughs) If that's okay. Uh, My, uh, my other fedora is uh, to, depictions of mitch hanniger in his post uh surgery state that make him sound like he's christian bale in the machinist dude oh my god <laughs> everyone's like oh my god he's lost a lot of weight like how much is this guy what is he like i want to see know. him right now right ryan diffish was like i don't want to say he's emaciated but i was like do you know what, That's emaciated? what he, he basically did say that didn't he he's like what is how can you lose that much weight because he was not an un- underweight guy to begin with Mitch, so he must have lost 30 40 pounds emaciated is like when you could see a dog's ribs and i'm like yeah i just i don't feel like maybe maybe can you see your ribs on your body sometimes yeah yeah sometimes on mine too like in the mornings i can see them yeah um i don't know it it is what it is but i'm not michigan yeah. um and the, the question i had for you was whether uh mitch or jake fraley and jp crawford inhaled mitch hanniger's life force uh, yeah i think they just like sucked up like took all of his excess muscle and just plunged it into their bodies that's how it goes um and then uh your hydro this week is what my mine okay so something's going on with trey mancini have you heard about this no trey do you know trey mancini is uh i think he's the right fielder or he's a utility guy for but he's very good uh for the baltimore orioles yeah um he is having health concerns right now that are unrelated to baseball not to speculate but there's a lot of people you know when you think of health concerns unrelated to baseball that could keep you out a while. Um, cancer is a big one. There's other, but it's serious what's going on on with him right now. And I just wanted to send good thoughts to him. It's always, it's, it's never good when there's health concerns, but um, especially when you're in the prime of your athletic career. And I just really hope that he's going to go the same way as Carlos Carrasco and beat whatever he has and be back on the field. Yeah. Well said he, uh, he is, undergoing a non-baseball procedure um sounds like today so i yeah uh, I so was... it might be to get some sort of um biopsy or something like that on something that's going wrong with him but i'm sure he'll be better than ever well uh you keep killing it with these um these these bold um you know <laughs> statements that uh really put things nicely and put things into perspective i will end on uh on the as only i can by focusing on malik smith 
talking to Ken Griffey Jr. That was wonderful, wasn't it? I, You know the clip that is my favorite part of this, and I will just stop our podcast here. You'll hear that, and then you'll hear a Sandfrog song, and you'll hear us next week. Bye-bye. Hey, hey, I just got arm now so I can spend a little bit of money. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.